What's up, Fountain Springs Church? Who's fired up to be at church today? Yes! My name is Joe Sangle. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, uh, I am fired up. I think this is like my fifth time, maybe sixth time being out here in Rapid City to speak here at this great church. And I'm so excited to be with you again. It took me a little longer to get out here from South Carolina, uh, thanks to American Airlines who uh, stranded me in Dallas-Fort Worth and, uh, and let me spend an extra night there and then put us on a plane that was about 195,000 degrees inside. Has anybody ever been on a hot airplane? Oh my goodness, I thought it was in a fiery furnace like the Bible. I looked around, there's three people walking around, then a fourth likeness appeared as unto the Son of God. It was unbelievable. And uh, we finally got here, so excited, and I was so sad because I had plans on Saturday morning. I was going to Tally's Silver Spoon, and I was going to get the breakfast with the, you know that cinnamon roller thing that they kind of call French toast? Whoo, hallelujah. And, uh, and I had thought I had missed it, but I got here, and I got there at 1.45 p.m., and they served breakfast till 2. Yes! And let me tell you how grateful I was. I, I, I bowed my head to pray, and the guys were with me, and I, I was, I mean, I was praying right over the plate, smelling it, and I got up, and they were laughing at me because I had stuck my face right in the big thing of butter, and it was all over my face, and I didn't even know. It was awesome, but it was such a great experience. I'm so excited to be back, and uh, you know, we've been in this series called Appetite, and uh, uh, Pastor has talked about, you know, topics like be safe, question mark, and uh, last week talked about sex, and uh, he left out a few things, so I'm going to share, no, uh, I thank the Lord that he called Pastor David to talk about that, and he called me to talk about numbers, and so, hallelujah, so I'm going to talk about numbers, I'm going to talk about math, and about money, and uh, before we dive in, I do want to invite you to the financial learning experience, it's going to be tomorrow night, and this financial learning experience is a way to make sure you get practical education on how to take God's word and his principles and apply them to your life. And if you've been to one of these before, uh, you know that there are over 100 free financial tools. Uh, but I do want to encourage you to come back for two reasons. If you've, not, if you've been to one, uh, we've got new stuff in the investing side. And also, uh, you're probably in a different spot in your money journey. And it will speak to you differently. And I do invite you to bring your coworker, a family member, a friend, somebody who owes you money. Uh, that'd be an ideal person to bring here. And we'll have a great time tomorrow night having fun talking about money. Uh, as we dive into the message today, uh, I want you to kind of think about, was there a favorite place that you went to eat as a kid? If you are a kid, maybe you have a favorite place right now. But uh, those of us getting a little older, uh, do you have a favorite place that you went to eat as a kid? Anybody have one? Like, say it out loud. Where did you like to go? Olive Garden. Olive Garden, yes. Bonanza. Bonanza, yes. Shakey's Pizza? Come on. Yeah, is it still open? No, they closed. It's a, I like it. We're having fun talking about this. And I remember as a kid, you know, I'm the youngest of six boys, and my parents didn't go out to eat much because they basically had to take out a small business loan to feed us. Uh, but every now and then, we went to this buffet. It was one of the early buffets, kind of like Golden Corral, kind of like it. And we went to one. It was just south of Indianapolis, Indiana. I grew up just south of there. And it was called, it was called Duff's. And Duff's was awesome because you could just eat. I mean, it was like a trough, and you could just eat 
and eat, and there's all these different things. And you know, when you're at home, I don't know if you had the parent who said you're gonna eat what's on your on for dinner. There's no side options. You know, we're not making 21 different meals for one meal. It, it, like now, parents do that. They they go through three drive-throughs to feed two people. It's really weird. But my dad was like, you're eating what's in front of you if you, if you hated it. Well, at Duff's, you could eat whatever. And man, I remember we would go there, and this one time, I just ate. I mean, I ate, and I ate, and I ate. I'm probably 11, 12 years old, and I ate, and I ate, and I went back, and I got some more, and I ate, and I could not stop until suddenly what was a good thing turned into a a not-so-good thing. And then at the table, I had a moment that no one in the family has let me forget. And uh, I will tell you, it was really weird. It was such a great thing, but from that moment on, I never wanted to go to Duff's again, right? Has anybody ever gotten sick and there's a certain food that was related to that, and now when you smell that food, you don't even like it anymore because you associate it with sickness? Isn't being a human weird? It's very odd. And so we're talking about appetite, and I just want to, tell you that I'm going to talk about money. And money is very interesting because just like food, we all have to deal with money. Life is expensive. Have you noticed that? From the time you are announced that you are on the way, you cost somebody money. And eventually, hopefully, your parents pray, you will be on your own financial dime. And everything in life costs money, right? And then you get to this moment where, you know, all of a sudden, until you are burned or buried, you're cost of money. And we have to deal with money. And yet, this thing called money is one of the greatest challenges to our Christian life and faith. And so today, kind of as a framework of what I'm going to share in this appetite message is, I'm going to kind of, we're going to go in for a checkup. We're going to check up on our heart and see how it's relating to money. And I've got like 10 things that we're going to look at and and then, uh, after that, we're going to kind of look at some antidotes or some medicine or some practices to kind of solve those if we're having any of those issues. And I'm just going to say on the outright and outset, this message has stomped all over me. And, and thank you, Pastor David Canan, for making me prepare this message because it is a refining moment for me. And I pray it's the same for you. Now, we've been working through a, a definition uh, of idol from Timothy Keller, and he said this. He said, it is anything more important to you than God. Okay, anything. Anything that absorbs your heart and your imagination, so your thoughts, more than God, and anything you seek to give you what only God can give. That's an idol. And, And our appetite is fueled through idolatry if we're not careful. So let's continue on to a definition of idol. It's anything we trust in, depend on, give ourselves to, love, esteem, or treasure more than God. Thank you, dictionary.com. That's the definition. So let's look at 10 signs that money is becoming or has become an idol in our lives. And this will be fun, challenging, and kind of awful for some of us, maybe. Okay, just warning. So here's the first sign. Our disposition, our countenance, our joy is directly tied to the value of our investment and savings accounts. If that's the case, money might be becoming or has become an idol. So for example, 
Um, you, you, your happiness is defined by like how much the value of the investment account is. And if it's up, woo, happy, happy, happy. If it's down, it's <laughs> right? Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, one of the wealthiest people on earth, he, it's funny, in an HBO documentary on him that you can watch on YouTube, he, he says that if the fund was up the previous day, every day Warren Buffett, who's 90 years old, goes in his Cadillac through the McDonald's drive-thru, which I think is an awesome choice. Best breakfast ever, McDonald's, and, and uh, there's no, no one close if it's fast food. Anyhow, he goes through there, and if his account was up the previous day, he allows cheese to be added to his sausage egg McMuffin. If it was down, no cheese. That's his penalty. Isn't that awesome? Right? But he can afford the cheese, right? But he doesn't want to reward himself. I like that because he's working for shareholders. But it could be a sign. Okay, number two. Uh, we spend all of our money on ourselves without returning any to the Lord or others who are in need. And the reason I want to bring this up is one of the great tragedies that I've seen, and I've been able to teach this stuff full-time for over 15 years, over 20 years teaching it. And I've sat with so many people, taught so many people, sat in one-on-one conversations with people, and what grieves the Lord's heart deeply and breaks my heart is that people work really hard is anybody here work really hard? Anybody, anybody working half days? You know, 12 hours a day? Those type of half days, right? And they work really hard for 20, 25 years, and they still have none dollars left over. None. And they've given none of it to the Lord or to others. And the reason I bring it up is 70% of us, that is us. 70%, 7 out of 10 of us in this room, most likely, just make money and spend it all. That's a sign that money's becoming an idol in our lives. Number three, we believe God loves us by how much we give or by how much we earn. This is works, right? And we think, we, I got a pay raise. The Lord loves me. I got a pay cut. He hates me. Is there a God, right? That's how it is. Right? And I've got money in the bank. The Lord loves me. I have no money left anymore. I had four kids. That's it. Right? <laughs> and, and if we're not careful, this can be a sign. Right? We start saying that we determine God's love for us based upon how much in the bank. And I've got good news for all, all of us. Anyone in this room, in any campus, online. God's love for you does not care about how much is in a bank account or how much is not in there. I got really good news today. God loves you right where you're at, however, you at, however messed up and jacked up you are. He loved you so much, he died for you, right? And that is great news. So if you are caught in this trap, hey, this is a sign that it's become an idol. We need to knock it back. Number four, it says we willfully and wantonly sin to get more money. This is theft. If you're thieving, don't do that, right? Uh, if, if you are purposely not including income on your taxes, I get paid in cash, I don't have to report it. Well, you should, because you're sinning. It says in the Bible, render unto Caesar's what is Caesar's. It is not smart, it'll always catch up with you. You get an audit, it's gonna pay deeply. You're gonna pay deeply. I see this happen all the time. I, I get paid a lot of cash at book tables, right? 
when we sell books. We report every dollar. Why? Because God's word says to, plus I like driving on nice roads. So I'm going to help fund that stuff, right? I don't agree with how they spend it all, but you know what? I'm not going to willfully and wantonly sin to get more money. Awesome. Number five, uh, we constantly think and worry about money. You know, if one of the first things you do, first five things you do every morning is you pull out your phone and check your bank account balance. Hey, I say it because I sit with people one-on-one all the time. That's one of the first things they do. They worry about it constantly. Hey, it's a sign that we're trusting in that too much. Number six, am I stepping on anybody's shoes yet? Hey, that's good because I want somebody other than me because when I was preparing this, God stomped all over me. Okay, number six, we allow our self-worth and identity be dictated by our possessions. I am a Ford F-250 with diesel. I run over cars and don't even know it, right? I am that motorcycle. I, I am that house. I am that neighborhood. I am these clothes. Have you seen it? We've seen this, right? And we start defining ourselves by our stuff. And here's what I would tell you. All that stuff is going to go away, right? We'll talk about that. Number seven. Here's another one. We consistently spend more than we earn, and we don't really know why. And, and, and this is that 70% of Americans right now spend every, every single dollar, just spend it. And we don't even really know why. And, and it can be a sign that this thing called money has kind of invaded our life. Number eight. We believe a certain amount, a specific number of dollars is what we will need to be happy. If we can just make this amount of money. Have you ever been there? Hey, old timers, come on, right? I'm an old timer now, I guess. Hey, I, I want people kind of my parents' age. My parents are 80 and 83. So, some of you are here. I love it, right? You remember how much money you used to make? Right? $1,200 a year if you're lucky, right? And you remember, oh, if we could just make 1,800 a year, woo, we'd be swimming in money like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> and we laugh at that, but that was a while ago, right? But we have a number in our head, a lot of us do. Hey, if I could just make this much money, right? I went around, I'm just gonna confess one in my life. I remember when I was young and just out of college and I really wanted to make six figures. I wanted to make $100,000. So I did a Christian prideful prayer. You ready for this? Lord, I want to tithe $10,000. <laughs> Why? Because that means he would have to give me $100,000, right? And you know what the Lord spoke to my heart? Joe, if you really want to give $10,000, you can do that right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not when I'm making 40. Do you see it? Pride idolatry, okay? Uh, a very wealthy person once said on this one right here, he was, he was the wealthiest person on planet earth at the time in the 1920s, and he was asked, he, they said, you have everything, you're the wealthiest on the planet, how much is enough? And his response was just one dollar more. If you're the wealthiest person on the planet and just one dollar more is the answer, number eight is an issue. Okay, number nine, we genuinely believe a specific possession is necessary for us to experience true joy, happiness, or satisfaction. If we can just get fill in the blank. If we can just move to fill in the blank. 
oh, we, that, that's all we had ever asked for. But it's not true, is it? It's a sign. We're, we're in the clinic, right? We're getting the checkup here, and we're going to have an antidote. Let's go to the 10th one. And uh, this one is a big one. We flaunt wealth in front of others. And, and, and this has happened since time began. You know, yesterday after I went to Tally Silver Spoon, I went over to the Dakota Coin Store because I like to look at the weird stuff they have there. And then I went to the, the antique mall in there, and I'm wandering around there. I love that place. And, uh, and I found a mink fur stole. It's made out of mink fur. And back in the day, I remember my great aunt wore one of these. And I mean, it was awesome. And, and let me tell you, in the old days, like a fur stole like that was made out of like 10 minks. That was like $500. You can buy it for $10 right now at the thrift store, right? But let me tell you, that thing that's in the thrift store that somebody somewhere paid big money for, they really believe it's a way of flaunting wealth, right? And this stuff has continued since time began. And so we've kind of went through those 10. And 1 Timothy 6, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and in many foolish desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Watch this. For the love of money, everybody say love. 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 It doesn't say for money is the root of all of you. So one of the top misquoted verses in the Bible where pe people say money is the root of all evil. It is what? The love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs and so i want to help us with this and help beat this back and we will always have to have this battle it's an ongoing battle the beating back this greed thing this this i want more this money thing and so let's talk about three things today that will help us and the first one is worship the provider not the provision if you're taking notes today, that's what I'd write down is worship the provider, not the provision. Everybody say that with me. Will you say that with me? Let's go. Worship the provider, not the provision. This is hugely important. You know, God owns it all. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's all his. We are just managers, right? I, I mean, I got news for all of us. Whatever we build up in a crew uh, should the Lord not come in our lifetime, and even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly, right? If he does not, we will surely die, and all of our stuff will go to somebody else, won't it? Maybe even somebody we don't like that much, <laughs> right? So watch this. The provision stuff will fail us, and you may say, hey, I've worked really hard for this stuff, and this provision's awesome, this house. I, I have a million in my 401k. Look at me, right? But watch this. It, Deuteronomy 8, 17 through 18, he says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, as it is today. So this is all from the Lord, and we are to worship the provider, not the provision, because the money is a terrible God. In fact, our provider is the one who provides the provision, which means pro means vision, right? Pro for the vision, pro means for. He gives us provision for what he's called us to do. But he did not provide us provision for us to worship that. And, and it's very interesting, you know, I'll never forget, I was broke as a joke and I was telling God how to fix my problem. Has anybody ever done that? Like I was broke, had no money, 
and spent all my money and got more money, spent that money, and I told God, I said, God, obviously, the problem is not me, it's you. You need to give me more money. <laughs> Has anybody ever tried this? So I got this pay raise, and, and do you think it helped me? No, it did not help me. It accelerated my spending. And, and I'm a spender, where are my spenders? I mean, I am very talented at spending. I'll go out, spend too much money on a credit card for lunch, and accidentally buy a truck. Right, for real. It's not good for your finances or your marriage, it turns out, right? So, so here's what I would just say. You know, I, I'm sitting here spending money, and then I got another pay raise. I spend any more, and finally, I just reached this moment where I was like, I don't know what's going on, but this is terrible, and I'm not going to live this way anymore. And so there's this moment that came, and I just set the picture. It's Sunday afternoon after church. I'm watching the Chicago Scrubs lose another baseball game, which means I was napping. And my bride came in, and she had this scribbled piece of paper with a bunch of numbers on it. And she said, Joseph, what do you think of this budget? Now, I'm a spender. What do you think I think of the budget? So I burst into rap poetry. I said, my name is Joe, and that budget makes me say no, and that interrupts my flow, so it's got to go. But she was cute, so I decided to look at it. And, and then I realized as an engineer that this could be an Excel spreadsheet. Yes! woo Who loves Excel spreadsheets? Oh, I raced off into our computer room, got on my Gateway 2000 computer. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! And, and what was crazy in the budget is it had God first, has saving second, investing third, and plan the rest. And, and that month, we did something crazy. We followed the budget. Did you know that that is a very important money skill set? Like, I knew that, but I didn't know that. And we were able to give and save and not have any more debt that month. And in an ordinary day, Ordinary afternoon, a holy moment happened in our life and marriage. And we brought our finances in alignment with God's word, and it transformed our life forever. In fact, I stand here today having just completed our 223rd consecutive monthly budget. I have a copy of every one of them. (laughs) And you know one reason why I think God had us do that? So that I could look through the pages and see the miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle of how the provider provided provision. I'm going to worship the provider, the provision that comes and goes. Amen? As Job said in chapter 1, verse 21, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And so, if you don't know how to do a budget, I encourage you to be at the FLE. Uh, That'll be very important tomorrow night. Uh, Matthew, Jesus shares in the book of Matthew chapter 6 verses 19 through 21, he says, do not store it for yourselves. This is Jesus. Treasure on earth where moss and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven. Everybody say treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Where moss and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, what's there? There your heart will be also. 
And, and he, he picks it up in verse 24. He puts a summary statement on it. And he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will love the, hate the one and love the other, or you will, you will, you will uh, be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You would think that God would say you cannot serve both God and Satan. Isn't it weird? If it's opposites day, you would not say the opposite of God is money, would you? But Jesus is recognizing this is an issue we have to deal with day in and day out. And we must make sure that we get the provider in the first place of our life. I remember in this budget, we put the tithe first. And I don't know if any of you have ever wrestled with this, but we struggled with tithing. And we were doing this math where it's like, hey, God, I need to help you out here with something. It's called math. Um, we can't make it on 100%. And so check this out, God. You want us to give, you, you, through your word, like 32 times to be exact, you say you want us to give the tithe first, and that's 10%, and God, check this out. 100% minus 10% equals 90%, and uh, we can't make it on 100%, so what gives here? Has anybody ever been there? Who would honestly say you've ever been in this conversation with the Lord, right? And so I, all I know is God says test him. He does not say start giving, you know, when you're debt free or when you feel like it. He says it is the Christ follower's lifestyle to be known as a giver, not as a taker. And our budget helped us be able to do that. The second antidote for this money thing taking over our lives and ruling our lives and ruining our lives is to pursue godliness and contentment. Pursue godliness and contentment. I love this, what Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. And this is where I take a time out and say, um, excuse me, I would like to add some words to the scripture here. Right, like, Food and clothing. Like seriously, can we at least add housing? Shelter. Who wants to add shelter? I, I want to add this. But if we have food and clothing and shelter, wait a minute, check that. I need to add some more things. But if you have food, clothing, shelter, money in my pocket, a good job, um, health, safety, um, a happy life and family, uh, but do, do you see how it keeps going? But Paul says if we have food and clothing only. Woo! God has to work on me daily to accept that, being content, right? I, I'm in the Boy Scouts. I am the committee chair of our local troop get fired up, <laughs> rights and privileges. And we go on camping trips, and the tent that I have isn't really shelter. So I have food and clothing, and the Lord is teaching me regularly uh, to be content with that. Uh, but it says, those who want to get rich, watch this, they fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Isn't that crazy? That's a challenge, isn't it? And so we gotta pursue godliness and contentment. It says in Colossians 3, 5, check this verse out. For the love of money, or, or wait, wait a minute, put, put to death therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry, idolatry, greed. So, so watch this. It said in 1 Timothy 6, but if it says, 
uh, clearly in Scripture, but godliness with contentment is what? Say it, great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Here's how we get this messed up in our lives a lot of times. See if this might be you sometimes. We believe great gain is awesome. But I would tell you great gain is not always godly, nor does great gain always bring contentment. Have you ever seen somebody? They got the amazing, huge, giant pay raise in the job, but they never sought God's counsel on it, and they just chased it because it just paid a bunch more money, but it made them be away from their family nonstop. They had to travel 90% more. They may have moved away from their family, and it ended up ruining familial relationships, and they, why did they really do it? They even hate the job. They hate the work. Why? Because they wanted the great gain, but it didn't bring contentment, nor was it godly. But godliness, watch this, paired with contentment, that, my friends, is always great gain. We wrap it up with our third antidote, and that is to store up treasures in heaven. Store up treasures in heaven. As Jesus shared in Matthew 6, 20, to remind you, it says, but store up for yourselves, so read it with me, treasures in heaven, Austin vermin do not destroy, and with thieves do not break in and steal. And, and I, I've read this scripture probably a thousand times. I love reading the Bible. The Bible is unbelievable. Um, when you read the Old Testament, Testament you, you read about some jacked up, terrible human beings, and God still used them. That's, that's great reminders to us that God can use us, right? And then you read the New Testament, and it starts out with what Christ did for us and giving us that free gift of salvation, paying a debt we could never repay. And then it gives us lots of great guidance for life, and it's unbelievable. And, but I had never really connected the dots on exactly how you store up treasures in heaven. Like, I had ideas. But do you know how to store up treasures in heaven? Well, Paul wrote to Timothy how to do that. And in 1 Timothy 6, 17, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And in this way, watch this, they will lay up treasure for themselves for the coming age. And I love how he writes this, so that they can take hold of the life that is truly life. And so when I look at this passage of Scripture, what I see is that Paul is writing to Timothy that if you want to store up treasures in heaven, there are two things you should not do. There are don'ts. And there's five things you should do. And so I'm going to list them up here on the screen here. There's two don'ts. The first one is don't be arrogant. So if you're arrogant, like knock that off, okay? Like no one likes that anyhow, right? And we've met arrogant people, right? No one enjoys hanging out with them, okay? And the second is, don't put your hope in wealth. It's so uncertain. Has anybody seen their wealth be uncertain? Remember 2007, 8, and 9 when your 401k turned into a 201k and then into a box of special K? Can I get a witness? <laughs> anybody remember March 23rd, 2020 when it at least went back to a 201k, right? All that stuff goes up, down, I don't know, right? But but don't put your hope in wealth. It'll always fail you. But here's the five do's. He says, put your hope in God, right? Who richly provides for everything our enjoyment. And then he says, command them to do good, be rich in good deeds, to be generous, and be willing to share. 
Do you see it? There's, there's five things there. And I, and I think there's a good summary statement of this that I've written down here that basically says, you know, if you really want to sum this up, it's basically saying love and honor God, not the world. That's the fir first do's and don'ts. And then just don't put your hope in your wealth and just bless others. Be a giver. Do you see it? And so I actually have created uh, like a wallpaper for your computer screen and for your phone. And you can scan this QR code and you can download it. And if you want to do it, you can pull up your phone. Has anybody ever done this? Pull up your camera. I would like somebody to do that. That'd be awesome. See if it works. I'm going to see if it works. Here we go. I'm scanning it. It's working. There's no email required or anything. You can just download them. And here's how I'm see, I could see us using this. You can see the phone wallpapers here. Is it working? Yeah. Thumbs up. Yes. As you're walking through this, I want you to kind of think about how to use this. And what I encourage you to do is if you're having a day where you're like, hey, I, I do not have deep-rooted joy or peace today. And you're challenged in this area. I encourage you to look at this. And I'm not expecting to be on your phone forever, but maybe a saved image or whatever. But I want you to pull it up. Let's go back one slide here. I want to show it without the QR code for a second. And I want you to pull it up and say, hey, I, am I doing either of the two don'ts? Right? Am I trusting in stuff instead of the provider? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I really think about not doing that and switch that. And then choose one of the things on the five side of do's and choose one and do it. Watch this. This has been very helpful to me. Okay? It says, be rich in good deeds. Awesome. I'm going over to my neighbor. I'm helping him clean out the house that they inherited. And it got a treasure trove of junk left for them. Right? I'm going to help them. Right? Okay, I, I want to help do good. Okay, my friend has a very busy week. I'm going to volunteer to bring a meal to their house this week. Be generous. Okay, um, I'm in the drive-thru. I'm going to buy the person's meal behind me. And it immediately commence to praying that it's not a 15-passenger van full of athletes <laughs> that makes me go broke, right? But here's what I would tell you. You can never go wrong doing the do's, and you will always go wrong with the, the don'ts. And so let's put the QR code there for a couple more seconds, and then we'll wrap up the message. As you're doing that, I want to tell you how I've made this be a standard practice in our household. Over 15 years ago, my bride and I added a second line to the giving part of our budget. So we have give to God and the full tithe, and then we added a second one called intentionally bless others. And every month we fund it with money, and we pull that money out in cash. And we carry it with us everywhere we go. And it turns out, if you put a line item in your budget called intentionally bless others, he will give you lots of opportunity to intentionally bless others. It's almost like scales fall off your eyes and you see opportunities to bless people. And I can tell you, I can just tell you, there's nothing greater. Nothing greater. In fact, I've, we just completed... Uh, my, my, I, I didn't add this in the first service. I feel compelled to share it. When my daughter, who is now a senior in college, when she was in 10th grade in high school, she had a friend that's been a lifelong friend whose mother went to the hospital for a minor procedure and she died. Her dad is not in her life and she's left without a parent. And so we were able to invite that friend into our household. And we were able to intentionally bless someone 
not only through that, but into college. And she's in her third year of college now. And she's been able to get her feet under her, even though her parent is gone. And I will tell you, take 401k away, take our businesses away, take real estate away. Give me more of that. A life poured out for the benefit and blessing of others. And I will tell you, I literally look at that and say, if I had not surrendered our finances to the Lord so many years ago, we certainly would not have been able to bless her in the way we've been able to. And I would tell you this, I want you to experience the abundant joy, the overwhelming contagious joy of that. Amen? I'll give you one verse as we wrap it up, and it's in Matthew. Jesus shares it. He says, so do not worry about what? Anything. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But the word of the year, as Pastor David has shared this year, is first, and we see it here. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, this is a command. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so I encourage you, this money thing, we will worry about it all the days of our life until we turn that knob off and say, I'm going to trust the provider, not the provision. I'm going to pursue godliness with contentment, and I'm going to make sure that my life is filled with making sure I store up tons of treasure in heaven. I'm sending it on ahead. Amen? Hey, I hope you'll attend the financial learning experience. We'll have on the screen again. You can sign up, register online, uh, follow a link. You've seen it posted on social media outlets as well. We'd love for you to attend. There's room for your friends and family. We want to be a blessing to you to help you get control of your money if that's what you need, or if God has allowed you to have abundance, to make sure it's directed in a way so you can live a fully funded life. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for every life represented here. God, in this moment, I thank you for allowing me to share the story of my friend's, my daughter's friend, China. Lord, I pray your abundant blessings on her. I'm so grateful for that. And God, I know in this room, I know online, there are stories of generosity all over the place that people will never hear about and never know. God, I thank you for allowing all of us the opportunity to serve and bless others. God, for those of us that money has kind of train wrecked our lives or we've never been able to get control of it and we, we even despise the thought of dealing with it. God, I, I pray today is a day of new beginnings knowing that you created this system of money and that you are the owner of it. And God, I pray that you would allow a peace, a contentment to come into our hearts that, that we've never had before. God, allow us to get wise counsel, send it into our lives. And God, for marriages that are being torn apart over this thing called money, I pray today would be the first productive conversation they've had on this topic for years, maybe decades. God, one that's focused on you and honoring you and on chasing the dreams you've placed in their heart. And more than anything, God, we thank you for setting the example that you were so generous, you sent your son Jesus to die. And he gave his one and only life that we might be able to have a debt of sin that we could never repay, that we would receive this free gift of salvation that is available to all of us if we would call upon your name and confess with our mouth that he's Lord of our life and that you have been raised from the dead, Jesus, that you are faithful to forgive us 
and save us. We'll never get over that abundant and outrageously generous gift. And it's in your name that we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen.